Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things St. Cloud State Husky related, college hockey related, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, everything you want is in this podcast, as long as it kind of relates to college hockey. Uh, I'm I'm Weldy here, sitting with Andrew, talking about the Huskies weekend, but first I want to ask Andrew, are you a big gambler? I did buy a lottery ticket based on my uh, prediction last week, which turned out to be successful. Uh, I did not win the, the uh, lottery ticket. My, my numbers, though, you'd like them, 4-1-5-2. But I guess that only, that only wins, that's only relevant for college hockey, for Husky scores, not, mm-hmm. not the lottery. Well, we got we to gotta get you on uh, USCHO. We got to get you in the column there uh, to guess those because and if you're expect- it wasn't you're it wasn't a three to two uh, was it a two three to two game. That that's one thing. I I think I'm done. Their I think I'm game. gonna pull a George Costanza, and I'm done predicting games now. Don't expect me to you're- don't expect me to do this every every week now because there's no way to go but down. My favorite Costanza moment in that show. Um, I mean, how can you just pick one? There are several. I like the one. Yeah, I like the one where he's figure out a way to not, you know, assign any work by always acting stressful and just oh, have yeah. a stack of papers in his inbox. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that's what I do. With. Scrunching your forehead, <laughs> looking very stressed. Yes. So, and then didn't he? Uh, didn't he get fired from that job because it was the boss thought he was stressing him out too much or something or like that? Or maybe he had to take maybe a he made it, he he got it he got a promotion somehow out of it. It was it back. I think it backfired on him as, as they generally did. So, in case you're wondering what the heck we're talking about here, I'll run the clip of a Nostra Andrew over here uh, picking uh, picking that. So we'll uh, flash back just to last week. Here's the clip right now. So yeah, let's uh let's get out there and let's say like a four to one, four to one, like five to two weekend, something like that. I want to see some goals and I want to see some uh some good defense. That's a good that's a good recipe, right? Goals yeah, and good defense. Usually that uh, is kind of the key to winning. I, I would say just have those. So there you go, like right right on the head. Four four one five two. And it was a very and... scientific process that I have. I mean. You can tell I thought a lot about it, and uh, I'll take the win. And I'll, for the Huskies' sake, from a Huskies fan's perspective, I'll definitely take the sweep. That's what it's all about. Let's go ahead and just dive right into uh, dive right into the games. We were able to watch uh, both the games. So on uh, Friday's game at uh, up at Bemidji, four to one victory, and you know, kind of with both. Uh, Friday and Saturday games, you could tell there was just kind of one point where I felt there was just kind of a turning where the game could go one of two ways. You know, everything can kind of go off the hinges or everything can, you know, swing back in the Huskies' favor. Last year's Husky team was really able to do that, not get rattled, able to right the ship, and, you know, that's what gave them their long run. When you just said hit hinges there, did you purposely, <laughs> did you purposely make that sound like henches? I I did not. That's just uh, how I talk. But uh, yeah, definitely. You know his two goals, and we'll we'll talk about him in a little bit. But you know, uh, Bemidji scoring that shorthanded goal, and 
that's when you know you felt uh, deflated you know and uh but, but just meyer getting it back in like what 50 seconds later something like that able able to kind of right the ship and after that it was just kind of a kind of a big relief and a big exhale and and that's when i knew okay the huskies aren't going to let this one go get away from us yeah a rough start to that power play there's a couple of turnovers uh, that resulted in Bemidji chances right off the bat on that power play but yeah, as you said, the Huskies were able to salvage a power play goal. They're their only power play in that game. Very few penalties. I think it was just one penalty aside on Friday. Uh, <laughs> but special teams and power play for the Huskies turned out to be huge for them on the weekend. Uh, the one power play goal and the one opportunity on Friday. Obviously, you have to asterisk that with them giving up a shorthanded goal. But then, uh, you know, it was rocking on all cylinders on Saturday. Uh, was it four power play goals uh, on Saturday or three? Uh, either way, uh, it was uh, clicking at clicking at a high rate of success um, on Saturday. And I, I guess we yeah, it was we don't have. I guess four, we can take one one game at a time here. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, we always we always do this. It all just blends into one weekend. That's the beauty of college hockey. Um, yeah, they were four for eight on the power play on Saturday, um, and. Uh, Mietnin's first goal that wasn't on the power play, I believe, just came shortly after it expired. That's right. And I don't, I don't, yep. I don't think the guy got back into the play yet. So it's, and we've had about two or three of those so far this season where we scored that goal shortly after the power play did expire. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so in, it, in that regard, pretty much all five goals were directly contributed or attributable to the power play. Uh even though the yeah, that, that first Miet and goal technically is an even strength goal, but the guy had had time to get back in the play, as you said. So uh that's former, very nice to see. Former Vikings for, former Vikings uh quarterback great Brad, Brad Johnson, Johnson. Yes. Got called at seven twenty seven. Obviously two minutes later is nine twenty seven. Mietnin's goal was at nine thirty. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what you're thinking for the the turning point on Saturday, but I thought that once we saw that Bemidji gets that real quick goal in the first minute uh, for Hentges to come back a couple of minutes after that to even it up at one, that's, I think, where the ship kind of righted itself yep. um, on Saturday. And then obviously exactly. once the second period started and, and Bemidji started taking penalties, and then the Huskies were able to convert convert on pretty much all their chances uh, when it really mattered when the game was still in in question. Uh, they took care of business, and so even though it was an inauspicious start on Saturday, and you know it was the first shot of the game, obviously on Castor, who they started uh, in in favor of Renek, which I think is a good a, a good point for him to get a start. Uh, as we've mentioned, very few off days in the next few months. Very few real good opportunities for to get Castor a look. I'm kind of wondering. I wouldn't be surprised he gets like a one of the Miami games coming up. But when you're going against Duluth this weekend, I'm expecting Hrenak to to play both games. Obviously, yep. Denver, North Dakota, those kind of series. I'm 
expecting them to ride Renek, but it's nice to get him a break uh, every now and then. So when you have a, an opponent that uh, you match up well against, like Bemidji, uh, I thought that was smart to give Caster a, a start, and he looked good. I mean, that first goal is just a broken defensive play breakaway for Sillinger. Not much he could do there. So I thought he looked sharp. Um, the defense, as we said, had had some cough, cough you know, hiccups. Hiccups or coughs? Hey, pick your pick your uh... hiccups. I think in uh, COVID era, I, I think coughing is maybe there. A you go. Too, a little too much of a hot button issue. A couple of hiccups on you know that one obviously that uh, led to the goal on Friday and and then on Saturday that first goal as well. Um, but I thought played strong, you know, unexpectedly, at least from the last time we, we had the podcast last week, did not expect that Jack Pert was going to be back with the team. Um, and he did not play on Friday night. Uh, but the World Juniors being canceled, uh, he was able to travel back and join the team on on Saturday. And I thought he looked he looked good. A shame that he missed out on that opportunity. I, side note, I, I hope they... Think of maybe rescheduling that sometime in the spring or summer. Uh, it, it's a shame to lose that uh, that tournament experience. But you know, it also gave guys we didn't see. Did we see Zemer? Didn't see him on Friday. Certainly, I know that Jaycox got some time uh, on Friday and first action for him in a while. Um, but I thought that you know Perbix. Perbix was shaky on that power play, which which uh, resulted in the goal on Friday. The shorty, he kind of coughed up both, or he played a part in coughing up both of those uh, turnovers. But other than that, I thought he looked sharp. And uh, Lutke, uh, Bushy, I thought these these defensemen played well. He, so you know, like giving up three goals on the weekend. Always a good sign. Bemidji wasn't terribly impressive. I thought that that top line, though, was uh, was pretty good. I mean, they didn't have much beyond that. But that does the two cylinders and uh, Ayarulo, who scored that goal on Friday, I thought that's a pretty decent line for them. And uh, once the Huskies kind of knew what they were dealing with, they're able to uh, sustain or could contain uh, those off- offensive threats as the as the weekend wore on. So. Yeah, like I said, two uh, three goal wins. Uh, I don't have a ton to complain about, and uh, I think it's a good um, a good weekend to to build some momentum going into the heart of the conference schedule, and you know your in state rival in Duluth next week. So, uh, very happy about this weekend. Yeah, yeah Zemer Zemer played on Saturday, and the reason that kind of stuck out to me is in the third period, uh, he had. One shift, I think he blocked two or three shots kind of right in a row. Uh, and that kind of stood out. I do wonder if Peart would have played if it was two games in Bemidji instead of a home-and-home. Home. Um, just kind of my thought process behind it is that, you know, him coming home, Duluth, they got all of their players back in time uh, for the weekend against Mankato. But... You know, Which maybe that was, that was kind of a tough. I mean, that was quick because they have play on Thursday in Mankato, and I yeah. think from what I read was they got there 
was it Kaiser and James, I think were the two two guys for Duluth that were playing at the juniors. They got there into Mankato with only, you know, an hour or so, hour or two to spare. So, but I mean, so that was on Thursday. I think that was it was it canceled on Tuesday or Wednesday. Either way, it was uh, a quick turnaround for them. I wouldn't have expected them to be able to play that game on Thursday, those two guys for Duluth. Um, but, you know, with airplanes and cars and travel, I guess they, they made that commitment to make it. And, and with, maybe if... With planes and trains and, and automobiles. Classic. Uh, you wonder if, if, if St. Cloud was playing a team like Mankato rather than Bemidji not to throw too much shade to the Beavers. But if they were playing a, a tougher opponent, would they have fast-tracked Pert back? I, who knows? We It's kind of academic to debate it now, but he was back on, on Saturday. And, yeah, and I just think, you know, rushing good. him back uh, to St. Cloud to get everything to then go up to Bemidji just to come back to St. Cloud. When you do have the depth, Right. Uh, so far, that has been showed for St. Cloud State. Maybe, maybe it was just a. Yeah. I, we we don't need to pressure. We don't need to drive on two lanes after you know a foot of snow and iffy conditions to rush them back. Let's just you know get them ready. Uh, maybe do some light skating on. Uh, on Friday and then you know kind of get ready for Saturday and then yeah. Saturday. I thought he looked good. Looked key. Yeah. I thought also looked really well. And really, we're burying the lead here. Um, Sam Henches comes right. back. And you see how much he gives to this team and how much it matters and how much more depth that the Huskies have when he's in the lineup. And I think it kind of caught, you know, that level of talent kind of caught the Beavers by surprise. And he was just, I I thought he was a force. He was all over the ice and really controlled the play. He and obviously Easton did too. Easton didn't really show up on the score sheet. I think he just had one assist on the weekend. Uh, but I thought, uh, I, I thought that line overall was just way too much for for Bemidji. Just Sam having it back and converting on those chances too, is just oh, it was just a breath of fresh air to have. Yeah, and uh, you know, even getting into a little bit of a scrap uh, early part of third period on Saturday, which they looked at that for a major. Uh, if anything, it was a, a a nice dive by the Bemidji guy. Um, but uh, but that's again I'm I am one. I love that I love that interference call of you know how we had the puck and it's like well we have to call a penalty on it so we'll just say interference because that's the most broad of anything that they can call. The Midget guy really tried to sell it. I'll I'll give him that. But that at least yeah you don't want to take penalties necessarily. But that shows me that. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if it was something concussion or something related because, I mean, and as we said last week, and nothing has stood out as far as any physical, anything wrong with him physically. He's not favoring any part of the body. And if he's going in, not, not being scared of mixing it up, uh, physically, um, that doesn't show any sort of skittishness. Uh, and that shows a good, a good amount of grit and it's good to see. And, yeah, I if this is going to be the uh, henches that we see going forward, which again when he was on the ice prior to this, this is kind of the henches that we saw the five games that he had played before. This, uh, you know, this is the kind of elements, and also Mietnin, as as we've said, 
him getting back on the score sheet with a couple on Saturday. Uh, these are the kind of things that, um, these were the wild cards going into the second half of the year. And if those things start clicking, then it, I'm, I'm more confident that this team could win a couple of games in the, in the NCAAs uh, and make it deep. And the, and the big thing with Miet and is he finally got into those high percentage scoring areas. You know, you talked about how many shots that he had, and even in the first period of Saturday's game, too, it was, you know, just past the, you know, the high slot area, and he whistled it wide. And it's just, those are the types of shots we've been seeing from him. And I don't think he's been snake bit because I don't think he's getting a lot of grade A quality chances. But, you know, seeing him get into the two areas, uh, you know, in in Saturday's game where he scored those goals that were right, right in front, able to bury it, wasn't three feet high or three feet off the mark. And that's, I think he just needed to remember that, that he, he this league is too good. And by league, I mean college hockey in general is just too good where you can't just snipe it from any corner or whatnot. You do still have to get it into the tough areas. And I think hopefully this kind of jars it and kind of gets it going. And then Granilla uh, also not taking any stupid penalty, staying on the ice. Again, he didn't light up the score sheet at all, but I don't think he really needed it. I thought he still had a strong, uh, strong game as well. Uh, so all really top to bottom. I was impressed with Thomas Rocco's game on on Saturday, and I thought he did uh, really well. Uh, Stelzi is is injured, so he's out. Uh, I don't know the extent of that injury, so that's why he didn't get in all weekend. But um, you know, Salquist, that fourth line, I thought was serviceable, and you could tell that um, you can tell that Larson has a lot of faith in that fourth line because they got crunch time minutes. You know, at, towards the end of. Uh, Towards the end of especially Saturday or uh, Friday's game, you know they they were talking. You know Mason made a couple of plays. Too. Uh, it's it's it was it was it was a good weekend. It's everything that we wanted to see uh, for for the Huskies. Yeah, indeed. Uh, um, yeah, Bemidji not the best uh, quality opponent, but I mean it's good to see that the Huskies have a couple of wins like this where. They they're clearly the better team, and and like I said, taking care of business is always good. Uh, and like I said, it it brings us into Duluth weekend if we want to transition to that. Um, well, unless we we do have our our player of the oh, week. Yeah. Yep. Well, our, I, our our Go Huskies Woo sponsored hashtag. I thought DM. this was a pretty easy pick for me. I'm kind of guessing we're going to be on the same wavelength. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll surprise. Maybe you will. Well, I'll take the uh, yeah. I'll take the low hanging fruit, and I'll go with uh, with Henches. Yeah, I think it's Henches. <laughs> I think him him coming back and and uh, really driving the play, converting on chances, especially you know, right off the gate too. That's uh, just you know he adds just like I said another kind of level to this. Go Huskies Woo had a little bit more of a surprising take really? and. And, and uh, he he went with Kevin Fitzgerald, and uh, kind of the reason was is that he was just kind of the unsung hero that was just all in all situations. He uh, you know big face off wins, and uh, you know didn't take any stupid 
penalties, just solid depth play, you know, all three zones and, and, and whatnot. And Fitzgerald, you know, that, that was kind of an interesting one to point it out, but I, I see where he's coming from. Don't necessarily agree with it, but, you know, controversy. That's what this pod is all about. That's fine. But uh, it's, you know, Fitzgerald, I, I kind of coined it as he's, he's the jack-of-all-trades, master of most. It is kind of what I, I like to say. That's, that's something that he definitely is going to fly under the radar of this team. And I, don't, I, don't, I think a lot of teams aren't going to hone in on him nearly as much as, as you know, the international line, Brodsky, inches if he gets going. I think that's where Fitzgerald is really his best. So he's, he's the one that really is kind of the straw. I, I, I see his point. Yeah, no, it's a good pick. You got to keep him uh, guessing. You don't want to be too predictable. Keep him, so. keep, keep, keep on his toes. Right. So, so yeah, let's, uh, let's transition then uh, to Duluth, who uh, played Mankato uh, over, the, over the weekend. Uh, since you are noted podcast Ryden McKay hater, uh, drinking the haterade with asterisks about all shutouts Dryden McKay related, uh, he shut out uh, Duluth. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, well, uh, how's the crow that you're eating right now? I never said I hated him. <laughs> There's a fair... Controversy, of, Andrew. Controversy. There's a lot of those uh, shutouts that, are un, you know, that he faced under 15 shots. Part of it is he's just got a good defense in front of him, I think, that doesn't uh, allow a lot of shots to come through. But, no, he's a, well, and, he's a and, good goal. And not only that, but... Yeah, and and Mankato is, you know, when when you hear about you know fifteen shots or anything like that, you automatically think of like David Levenu's Cornell team that was just all two nothing, one two to one, boring hockey. Whereas Mankato, you know, over the last few years, they allow, don't allow a lot of shots because they were just able to hammer and always keep the puck away from the other team. And really drive passion. So not that trapping, boring style. Yeah, I did the number. I, I went through all the shutouts a couple of weeks ago. Now there's been some shutouts since then, but I, and I don't know where my scratch pad is that had that, but I believe it was just one at that point, one of those shutouts where he had faced 30 plus shots. Uh, most of them were in the. Uh, low 20s to teen you know mid-teens area which shutouts a shutout don't take it you know don't use my metric as the be-all and end-all but uh no i yeah i i think the competition he faces isn't the best but i would probably put him at we might get into this in our uh pick the field segment later stay tuned for that but i'm excited for that. um, that's gonna be you gotta put mckay i would have mckay or there's a couple of guys out east that I'll touch on, uh, but McKay's got to be right there at the Richter, in the Richter conversation for the best goalie nationally. Just look at his numbers and uh, and the fact that Mankato's number one right now in pairwise. A lot of times that helps uh, an award nominee how, how well your team is. So uh, yeah, I mean he's the Huskies found out earlier this year. Uh, that McKay is is a is a beast. They got shut out by him. Uh, added to that total, so no heart, no uh, shame in in getting shut out by McKay. Uh, and 
they were able to you you sent me the text uh in, in november uh when you know we were joking about it in a episode a few episodes ago three shutouts under 10 shots eight shutouts facing 11 to 15 and just two facing 30 or more three shutouts versus teams that qualified for the ncaa that's counting Arizona State in the COVID year would add SCSU and UMass to the list. And, and probably Duluth. And probably now since then. But no, he's a, he's a good goalie. And uh, yeah. Duluth is only give, able to get one past him all weekend. They did take him to overtime on that Thursday game in Mankato. So they got some RPI points out of that. Duluth did. So it wasn't a clean sweep uh, from Mankato's standpoint. But a big weekend for. For the Mavericks, solidifying their number one position right now in the pairwise. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about them in that in, in the pick the field segment. But oh, why don't we talk? Did you did you see the did you see the game winning goal on for uh, for the uh, for the uh, overtime goal? Thursday goal? Yeah, I just saw a little bit yeah. of a clip of it, just a kind of a breakaway, a long pass. Um, yeah. The uh the the actual feed when watching the game though cut out just after the shot, so it, you didn't see the actual goal happen. It said you know commercial break in progress. So somebody somebody in the control room hit the wrong button uh, for for that, and then they quickly you know switch it back to the team. So oh, I didn't see so that. It was, and it, so it, it, it was kind of funny. It wasn't evident that it had gone in at that point when it cut out. No, Ugh. no, it like it was, yeah, it was pretty funny if you're not a fan. Like on my, I would have been pissed. Yeah, imagine spending the thirty bucks on that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So big, big series here. Uh, Coming up at home with uh, with Duluth, we've got them uh, again at the end of the season uh, in 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 Duluth. I was I, I swear I was just about to say at the deck <laughs> at Amsoil. So it's it's our first look at uh, Brett Larson's former team and uh, just kind of what do you what do you expect of this game? I'm it's going to be I think it's going to be these two teams rarely disappoint. Yes, uh, I'm expecting lower lower scores this weekend. If the Huskies get up to four and five in the gold count, um, I think that's a good sign. Uh, Duluth, sort of as as is typical the last few years, you know their their struggle is goal scoring if they do have one. Uh, Fanti's been playing, you know, insane this year. Uh, went healthy. They had that uh, weekend up in northern Michigan where they got swept, but that was with a third-string goalie. Interestingly, they didn't forfeit that series. You know, they had a lot of oh, guys out weird. that week, but um, not sure if they knew. Well, they that, didn't know that was an option until the great Mel Pearson tool was in the tool bag. Maybe um, ne- ne- yeah. next time they they've learned their lesson. But now uh, they're like, wait a minute, we could just not play these types of games. This changes ah, everything. Ah, you say. Uh, just you just see Sandlin just twirling his mustache there, just like snidely whiplash. Uh, yes. Did I date? Did 
Did I date myself with that one? I, uh, I picked it up. I picked it up. Oh, I don't know if I listened. Uh, so you, uh, I mean, this team that's that's uh, run on its defensive core and its its goaltending, and you know, I'm looking at their their stat sheet right now. Top scorer, Biondi and Cates, tied for 14 points in 20 games. Uh, so they're not they're not made out of high flying offense. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a, a pushover uh, in any. In any means, of course, uh, but I, I would expect the uh, the goaltending and the defense to be on display this week, um, and I like uh, I like the home ice advantage for the Huskies uh, in this case. Um, I, yeah, I, I like them being at home rather than you know up in Duluth this weekend, um, and I, yeah, I don't know, I. I give the Huskies the edge um, for the series, especially if we're going to see Hedges play like this. And, yeah, if we can get Mietten and uh, clicking too, these are kind of the the things that were unsatisfying about the first half. So if we can have those guys contribute the way that we were thinking they were coming into the year, I have good... Uh, Good feelings about this weekend, but just knowing Duluth, um, I, I almost kind of expect a split. So, and yeah, I, from the Huskies' perspective, I think a split would be okay. I mean, if if you're really concerned about the pairwise, obviously we need to make up uh, points any way we can, and and uh, sweeping the series would be a big boon uh, towards that goal, but. Um, you know, I, I, a split against a high quality opponent like Duluth is, is never a bad thing. Um, but it's one of those things too, like sound like that, that North Dakota series, you wait on Friday, you really want to get greedy on Saturday. So, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that the Huskies, like I said, I think they have the, the talent advantage on the offensive side. I probably would give Duluth the, the advantage on the, on the D and goaltending side, a slight advantage, not not huge. So something's got to bend and break this weekend, and and we'll we'll see how how it shakes out. But I'm saying at least the split. I, I don't see Duluth coming in and sweeping the series, um, for sure. But uh, at least the split, and and you know, relatively optimistic that they can get four plus points on this weekend. Um, how about you? Yeah, one thing that kind of jumps out to me, you know, first off, in the last six games, St. Cloud State is five. So, I mean, as of late, where the makeup of the team has been relatively the same, Huskies hold the advantage. And I think this is one of those games where I think Fitzgerald does have kind of a bigger series, and, uh, you know, a lot of focus. You know, will probably be on Bradzinski and Hentges, but you know, right right now, St. Cloud State's power power play percentage is is at a thirty five, which is absolutely insanely high. Yeah, and Minnesota Duluth just sitting at fifty. So there's, you know, they they haven't been able to convert on those chances. 
St. Cloud State has been able to. Both have a really good penalty kill, so it's always one of those things is usually in those situations, the penalty kill, I mean, just percentage-wise, the, per the penalty kill is going to kind of take, take, uh, take the cake on that one. But, you know, I, I agree with you that I do expect it to be a little bit more low-scoring. And, you know, just with, with Fanti and how well he's been playing lately, you know, it's it's going to be two kind of stud goaltenders. I think both of them are incredibly solid. Both of them have great defense in front of them, so it might be a little bit of a boring hockey game when it comes to that sense, a little bit more uh, defensive positioning type of game, more strategic. Not nearly as much as like the fly and running gun type. The Olympic ice might help a little bit, but no, neither of these uh, coaches are, are, are to that. For some reason, I feel like the Huskies are going to win one game and the other game is going to go to overtime. And I don't know which way that would go, unsurprisingly. Uh, you know, Duluth uh, pop in a goal there, get a victory. But it's this is this is big when it comes to conference standings and really positioning for home ice advantage, and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to and looking for uh, as we're going down and everybody has you know these gauntlet stretches coming up. Is where are we going to be able to make points up? You know what we need to do uh, to to get these to capitalize on these chances to climb up the up the standings to get into that position and you know, having five or six points here this weekend is a big step. So it's, it, it, it's, it'll be an interesting series. It, it, it's probably going to be a little bit of a heavier series than, it, than we're probably used to. And it's, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And it's, I'm really looking forward to it. But I, I do give the Huskies a little bit of an edge, especially with tension. Yeah, I I would probably say it's the uh nationally, it's the series of the weekend. It's the only uh top 10 or series between two top 10 teams this weekend, so maybe they can use the uh you know, they have the national spotlight on them in in, in some regard. Um and yeah. bunch of slackers around college hockey. <laughs> well, it's just not a yeah, even the conference uh, matchups in like the Big Ten, ECAC, nothing really standing out as something that um, I, I think like the other, the only other series between two teams in the top twenty is Michigan and or Michigan State and Minnesota. Um, surprising that Michigan State was that high, uh, but anyway, that's not it. Doesn't is is Cornell rated up there? Cornell dropped a bunch. They're in like the mid twenties now because they got swept by Arizona State. Uh, so uh, and they're oh yeah, they're playing. Yeah, that should be a good series with them in North Dakota. Forgot about that because they're in the the, the only reason that I kind of point that out is because I've like you know I'll get into our pairwise predictions or field predictions, but you know Cornell is kind of a wild card to me in the ECAC, and I see that they're playing North. But I'm like, oh, okay, so we're going to actually have a chance to see what they are. Well, so I watched them the, being an Ivy League team. Yeah, I watched the games so. against Arizona State on their stream this weekend. And I, I would have, if we did this, if we did the field last week, I probably would have had Cornell in the field, but they were not impressive. Um, and they, 
they were, I mean, they were nine, one and one coming into the weekend, but they were still at like yep. 19th because ECAC just sucks this year. Um, they weren't getting any, any favors from the schedule that they've been playing uh, up to this point. And they were probably circling that North Dakota series as them. And then when they play uh, Quinnipiac, those are like the two chances that they can make some hay in the pairwise. Coming off a sweep against Arizona State, I don't see how they're going to match up all that favorably against North Dakota. But, you know, North Dakota's so, so far has had that, you know, clunker on Friday, a uh, good game on Saturday. Maybe they turn in another clunker uh, on, on Friday. Um, but, yeah, that, sh- that is a, a intriguing. You don't, see, you don't see the Ivy League play, you know, the Western teams very much. Um, they don't play non-conference very much, period, because they're special and they limit their schedule. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I hopefully will be able to watch a little bit of that or check in on it between periods. Uh, so, yeah, that's another intriguing matchup this weekend. Um, but, yeah, that uh, St. Cloud series, St. Cloud Duluth, looking forward to it. I'm kind of looking, you know, we, maybe it's because it's on, on the mind that, that uh, Duluth played Mankato last weekend. Um, but looking back with the Huskies playing Mankato at the beginning of the year, one nothing, three to one games. That those are, I think those are the kind of games that I'm expecting this weekend. Maybe not one nothing, but I could see like a two to one. I said I wasn't going to predict the scores, so I, I'll just stop yeah, right there. There we go. I guess, but see, way to go, Costanza. I like uh, I like Costanza. It. it. I like you uh, saying that. You know, one of the games that go to overtime. I like that prediction. We'll, we'll hopefully we'll be able to plug that. Uh, sound bite into next week's show of of your you nailing that call. Uh, I'm never right. I don't know why anyone listens to this. I'm all, like I'm always right on the Powerball. I'm just my life is tough. Yeah, yeah it is what it is. <laughs> so I mean, so yeah, looking, looking, you know, Renick. Like you said, probably going to get both, uh, both starts. Fanti, I would imagine, going to get both starts. So I think it's going to be, you know, wh- whoever does, uh, whoever has fewer mistakes defensively, is going to get the nod and or the um, the advantage over the weekend. And it's not going to be many mistakes. I don't think on either side. To be a tightly well coached uh, uh, weekend of hockey. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into this uh, gauntlet of uh, of a non-conference schedule we have, so, or uh, conference uh, conference schedule conference schedule that we have. Uh, so we uh, talked a little bit about uh, non-conference. So yeah, what we can do, we head right into our uh, predicting the field when it comes to the the NCAA tournament. I'm a little bit nervous about it. It was just tough. because, well, here, I've always said, you know, as as college hockey fans and whatnot, you could start looking at pairwise at you know at calendar, you know, switching over to the new year. But even this weekend, the Huskies were seven in the pairwise, jumped up to tied for first, and then dropped down. Now I think they're sitting at. So, you know, even now it seals seems like. It's incredibly volatile. Uh, so even now, when I was going through my picks and whatnot, 
I was still having a little bit of trouble, and I was still having a little bit of a... I don't want to say a crisis, but I was like, you know, everything could change so quickly um, when it comes to... I mean, remember Union, when they had their run, uh, when they won the national title, they I think they lost one game after January. So it was uh, just, uh, you know, any, any, any team can go on a stretch like that and that can shake up everything in the pairwise. You know, assuming everybody does play all of their games and they don't just randomly cancel um, for a reason. Yeah, that is that is a unforeseen wrench um, that I hope doesn't get exploited to the extent it already has. But, yeah, I thought that eight to nine teams, seven to eight, somewhere in that range, felt very confident. Uh, clo- you know, like close to locks. But then the others, I'm really, I'm mostly, I'm mostly uh, intrigued to see who you picked out of the Atlantic. Um, because there's, it's, it's literally just picking out of a hat there. Uh, they're going to be the uh, most likely, like 99%. They're going to come from outside the top 16 in the pairwise. So it's going to be who's winning that postseason tournament. Um, is going to be their auto bid. Um, and there was, yeah, I, I, I might even make changes while we're doing this. I, there was <laughs> the, the last few teams that I had in, I have even on, on the bottom of my sheet here, just the other others under consideration that I might, you know, I would easily put those teams in as well. Um, so how do you want to do this? You want to start with the NCHC? Like go go conference by conference or do you want to just well need, i, th- I think to keep the o- to keep the audience listening and help our help our time we got to do nchc that was probably the easiest of the conferences but yeah we can do yeah. that and i I've, I've made it so, i've said many times that i think five teams are coming out of it and you yeah. can guess so what I, th- those I think are. what we do i mean let's get atlantic hockey just out of it who'd you have i so so drawing out of a hat the funny thing when I looked at Atlantic hockey is I saw Mercy they are sitting the there Atlantic at like four and ten, but they're one and four in overtime. So the fact that they have ten losses is actually really, I mean, four, six, and four is what their actual record is if we count them as eyes like a normal. Well, AIC, AIC as well, has lost a slew of. They're actually the the top team right now in pairwise out of the Atlantic hockey teams, but their record is something like four nine and something. But I think they have four overtime losses, so it's it's deceptive. Michigan Tech as well. Michigan Tech's lost five overtime games. So, yeah, they're one what, one and five, I think, in overtime. So they, I mean, the the full record that they display is ten and eight, which doesn't sound that impressive, but nine three and one i think yeah uh in regulation just three regulation losses so yeah the the overtime the overtime loss or win overtime records can make this a little tricky just on the face value so you're taking is you're taking mercyhurst (laughs) mercyhurst uh no so i drawing out of a hat i i i picked kanisha I was either between them. Uh, I ended up going with Bentley. 
there's a theme in this where I I look at really good goalies, goalies that are having good years. Uh, Bentley's goalies been elite this year, at least stats wise. Uh, he's third or fourth in the country in save percentage. Um, so uh, yeah, and I thought I thought about Canisius. I'm kind of rooting for either Bentley, Sacred Heart, or Army because those are the three teams that haven't gotten a they they've never made the tournament out of Atlantic hockey. Everyone else has. So I kind of would want to see some fresh blood in there. Um, Bentley's leading the conference right now in points. There's an uneven number of games played. Um, and they've, they've beaten, they beat uh, BC earlier. They beat Ohio State earlier this year. So they've had some, some surprising non-conference uh, success. So, yeah, I'm rooting for the uh, first-timers, let's hope. I'm, I'm going with Bentley. Uh, Canisius, I just kind of went by uh, goals scored <laughs> and saw that, um, you know, there Bentley is leading in Atlanta hockey, but they also have a negative goal differential. <laughs> so that's uh, kind of why why I avoided them and just went with Canisius and say, "Yep, that's their one." <laughs> I had them at first, and then I erased them and went with Bentley, mainly because of their goalie, but. It's a crapshoot. Yep, exactly. Um, so where do you want to go next? How about ECAC? Do you want to, let's just do the, you, let's go east to let's west. Let's just do east. Okay. ECAC, um, really, I've got two coming out of there. I've got uh, Quinnipiac and Harvard. Same exact that I had. Quinnipiac's obviously the no-brainer. Uh, this is similar to the CCHA where, um, I'm thinking that the tournament is going to be, again, I would have, I think, I mean, and right now, Quinnipiac's the only team above the cut line in pairwise out of the ACAC. So if the, let's say the conference tournament was to start today, if they were to get a second team in the tournament, it'd have to come from a tournament winner winning the, the winning the conference tournament. I think it's more possible in the ECAC than let's say the CCHA that that will happen. Uh, it's a bigger league. Winnipeg last year, even in when they're playing four teams in the conference and they were clearly the, the best team, they did not win the, the conference tournament. St. Lawrence did. I watched a little bit of Harvard over the weekend. I liked what I saw. Um, again, Ivy League schools, so they haven't played a ton of games this year, but they have a fair amount of young talent. They're a very young team. Um, and in general, those teams tend to, I mean, they're, they're not generally, uh, NCAA tournament threats necessarily. Um, a lot of times it's the older players that, that, uh, take you far in the postseason, but the others that I had for the ECAC under consideration, like I said, Cornell and Clarkson. Clarkson I saw in person when they got swept at Arizona State. Clark, Clarkson's on my bubble there after seeing what Cornell did against Arizona State. Like, like you said, we, we would have done this last week. I think we both would have had Cornell. Yeah, up, but, I would have had Cornell but, instead of Harvard. And yeah, I even think Cornell beat Harvard earlier this year. Uh, I, but. I was not impressed with 
uh, Cornell's goalie goaltending situation. They don't even have like a, a, a sure number one. Clarkson would be a decent pick because with the Ivies all taken last year off, not only did they lose some guys to the transfer portal, but just the fact that they they don't have experience playing as a unit, you know, whereas Clarkson does. Clarkson played a full season last year. I'd almost like like to get Clarkson, give Clarkson the 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 nod for the second uh, ECAC slot for me, but. I just, I, like I said, I saw him in person, and I, I didn't find him to be very impressive. Maybe it was just an off weekend for him. But I, so I'm going to say that Harvard is going to, to win the tournament, and that's how they're going to get in. I don't know if they're going to be able to. Plus, they ha- I, I looked at their schedule, and they have, they play the Bean Pot. Um, they play Quinnipiac twice in the second half, so they have some opportunities to get some big wins uh, against some, some pairwise contenders, whereas, whereas Cornell and Clarkson have lit more limited opportunities for that. This ECAC is down this year. Um, it's very possible that, that Quinnipiac wins the ECAC tournament and they just get one team in. Um, would not be surprised there. But yeah, we, we matched on that one. I wonder, I wonder if that happens, that, and depending who that other team gets in if that's going to cause maybe a minor with how the pairwise people are like if there's a six nchc team that gets in instead of a second or a third or or a second eca people are it's possible i'm open to to, controversy to oh i'm open to moving Beyond, maybe not beyond pairwise, or I'm open to a discussion of a different approach to selecting the tournament. I think that the reliance on the pairwise, it's not perfect. Um, it's better than the smoky, smoke-filled rooms, but I thought what we saw last year, I almost think the, pair, the committee went out of their way to avoid the impression that they were favoring certain schools and not. I think that's kind of why they put three WCHA teams, for instance, in, which I don't think they deserved three. Um, so I I think using using the RPI or some mathematical equation, but then all, ultimately leaving up the last couple at-large spots to, you know, to the human element, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to that. but. Um, yeah, and- I think um, yeah, I think ECAC that's going to be one, and you kind of you kind of nailed it. Whereas I think Harvard wins by wins the tournament. Like if Winnipeg falters somewhere during during the tournament, Harvard is just that be a be a force. So I I agree. With you. Alrighty, hockey East, hockey East. This was uh, uh, this was tricky. The, yeah, exactly. Because you know, obviously, you know, you've got defending champs uh, UMass, you got Mass Lowell. Uh, both of those two, I feel fairly confident that they're they're going to make. It. Uh, then you got kind of, in my mind, kind of the, the the grouping of three. And the way I put it is, I I have one of three. 
Um, I didn't go to a three here with, um, and then correct me if you have somebody else, either Northeastern, Providence, or BC. BC has kind of come on a little bit stronger over the last couple of weeks versus having, you know, really both BU and BC had terrible. Um, I do have Northeastern as my third, uh, and that might be a little bit too safe uh, of it, but all of them are kind of clumped together in the pairwise in that fringe category. Uh, so to speak. I mean, you've got Northeastern at 12, you got Providence at 16, BC at 18. So that's, uh, that's where I kind of uh, ended up with Northeastern getting a little bit of a nod, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of where where I see things fall. So, what do you have? The only the only one I'm confident on is UMass. Um, I actually had four teams in from the from Hockey East. This was the biggest, I think, question mark is do I get three teams from Hockey East and one extra out west, or do I have four teams from Hockey East? And I still think yep. I still yep. think that Same I mean. Early in the year, Hockey East was doing terrible in non-conference. They've righted the ship. Um, mm-hmm. They're third, third best in uh, win percentage you know, among the conferences right now, mostly due to handling Atlantic, Atlantic Hockey and the ECAC in their, the non-con- in their non-conference. So, they're one in five against the CCHA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not impressive. So... Even I'm thinking four teams might be a stretch. I so I had UMass. Like I said, they were the one team of this four that I feel confident. I would bet I would bet money on the fact that they would that they're going to make the tournament. I like Northeastern and Lowell. Getting back to goaltenders, both of them have premier goaltenders. Uh, Lowell has this Owen Savory transfer from RPI, putting up video game numbers. Devon Levi or Devin Levi, uh, he was the starting goalie for Canada in last year's World Juniors. Check out his numbers. Um, I would say Richter finalists, or between the Richter, I'd say it's between McKay and Levi right now. Um, and Levi is Northeastern struggling to score goals. They've won like two one to nothing games, two or three two to one games. Uh, they're winning games without much offense. Uh, and it's yeah. Just to clarify, uh, uh, Levi. 1.33 goals yeah. against 9.55 save percentage. Right. They've got one guy, Aiden McDonough, with 13 goals, and nobody else has more than five. Yeah. yeah, so, and Savory, I think his save percentage is close to 90. I don't think it's over 95, but it's like 94-something. Um, he's having a great year as well. Uh, so I put Northeastern as my second-best team, then Lowell. And then I think of the of for the fourth team, it was kind Save, of Savory. Savory has one point two nine goals against, and a little bit better there. But save percentage at a nine forty eight. Yeah, I mean it, it, they're they're bound to regress a little bit to the mean. But uh, a goal a, a hot goalie like that can patch up a lot of flaws, uh, especially coming down the stretch and in a tournament situation. So. That's why I'm confident about those two teams. I pick BC as the fourth team. Between them and Providence, not terribly impressed by Providence. Uh, looking through their schedule, the only real impressive win was that Denver win, which they had to come back from a 
three goal deficit in the third period to win that game. Yeah. Denver lost that game more yeah. so than. And there's been a couple of games this year where I've seen, you know, they, they were down three nothing to Dartmouth, who's not very good, and they came back to win that game. They've they've had some games where they've won, but have not looked terribly impressive uh, in those wins. And BC, they've been up and down as well. I've kind of was looking at their last few years. Seems like they come on strong the second half of the year. Um, they're an older team as well. They brought in some some transfers, one in, in goaltender, uh, Dopp from uh, Bowling Green, um, who I think was kind of in that Driscoll category where they're kind of expecting him to carry the load a little bit better than he has so far, but I expect him to to right the ship a little bit. So like a veteran team like that uh, with, you know, obviously Hall of Fame coach, I feel like they uh, would get the nod over Providence, I mean, UConn's not even having that bad of a year. They're in like the high 20s in pairwise. They could certainly make a run, but they never have. And it's kind of one of those unknown quantities. So maybe maybe I'm selling out for the uh, traditional uh, power in, in BC. And like I said, they're probably, they are my last team in uh, of, my, of the 16. If you're not counting the Atlantic, which is, again, it's just kind of picking out of a hat. Out of teams in the other conferences, I, I would either say, so this would leave it at, I have seven teams from out east, nine out west, 10 and six. Uh, I could definitely see that happening. Um, and if it were to be only six teams in the east, I would drop BC from that, uh, from that field. I feel more confident with UMass, Northeastern, and Lowell for sure. Yeah, BC kind of going down the stretch. You know, they've got two games against Providence. Um, they played Matt Lowell earlier this season, lost 4-2. to two. They got one more game with them at home this time. Uh, they, they got another game with uh, Northeastern. So they got three games with Northeastern, if you... Yeah, they got them in the uh, bean pot. The bean pot as well. So that's... Uh, <laughs> those games, those three games, BC against Northeastern, I think that's just massive when it comes to airwise for those. It's a lot of head-to-head points up for grabs. That I think that's where it's going to tilt one way or the other for of who gets that. But you've got both, right? Northeastern and, and BC, yes. Yeah. I have both of those okay. teams making it. I just have Northeastern. All right, out west. Uh, out west, where do you want to go? CCHA first? Well, sure. Or do you want to go Big uh, Ten? CCHA is... Uh, easy for me. I got one team, Mankato. You got just Mankato, huh? I did end up picking Michigan Tech. As well. And they would um, be, yeah, they, I considered them strongly. My thought process, other than the ECAC, which is a neutral site tournament, CCHA is still doing, I had to check this, they're still doing the same format the old WCHA was doing which means two or best two out of three first round, which means Mankato is going to play St. Thomas. They're going to win that series by 15 goals differential. And then it's single games at the higher seed or the semifinals and the final. So they got to win four games at home. Mankato does two of those against uh, St. Thomas. So it comes down to the fact of, do I think that Michigan tech can beat Mankato in Mankato? to go to the tournament. I just don't see it happening. Uh, and I don't think... I, I, I see them as an at-large. 
I don't think they have the opportunities to make up pairwise points. And I realize that they're in the cut line now. Um, but the only games they have against pairwise qualified teams for the rest of the year is a two game series with Mankato at the very end of the regular season. So, and I don't see them running the table against, you know, they have you know, rivalries with Northern Michigan and uh, Lake state, those games, uh, I would either. I I just don't see them running the table, uh, up to the point where they play uh, Mankato. So, yeah, I just um, I don't I just I don't see it from them. Uh, and like I said, that their record is deceiving because they've they've went to overtime so many times and they've lost five overtime games. But that yep. kind of tells me that they don't have the finishing touch to to beat these kind of teams I'm talking about in regulation. And so. Yeah, I'm uh they were like I said, it was I could definitely see them being in not I it would not shock me if they if they were uh pairwise qualified or if they did let's say win that game at win a game in Mankato to to win the conference tournament. But I just I like Mankato too much and I I just don't see I just don't see it from tech. I yeah, I'm Probably putting a little bit, maybe too much faith into their uh, non-conference or their overtime record, and but at, at the same time, I look and say, hey, come tournament time, you know, it's grade five on five, and it's you know against you know, I I I, I do think you're right. It's going to come down to both those two, uh, you know, Minnesota State and Michigan Tech there in the final. And obviously, you're right. It's going to be there down at the, I don't know, Verizon Wireless Center, Midwest Wireless Center. What's it called now? I don't uh, remember. Insert wireless carrier here. <laughs> center. Insert wireless. Uh, so, but I think I think they can come up and surprise. And on a, on a five on five, they were able to. Uh, you know, obviously, it was a scoreless tie against uh, Michigan. They lost uh, two to one in overtime against. I don't know, at Minnesota State earlier. So that's, um, you know, I don't see them losing a lot the rest of the season. And so I don't think it'll hurt their pairwise too many times. And I think it's going to, I think they're going to benefit, to, you know, still from those wins, still be on the cut line. I think they're going to. I could definitely see it happening. It was, There's, like I said, one, there, of the, one of the toughest calls. As you can tell, it's it's, you know, Overall, with all of these pairwise and whatnot, it's it's so tough to find dominating this year in college hockey, and it's the clear cut ones. Everything is so far gray. Um, you know, I saw a joke that you know there are two number one seeds, seven number two seeds. <laughs> you know, like it's it, it there. There's a lot of a lot of mushiness going, going around here. And and then and that's just what, the, the, that's what makes everything so fun. The general unpredictability of hockey. I mean, how many times does a the worst team win a two to one game? What happens if uh, uh, Levi from uh, Northeastern gets hurt for a month? You know, and they go in yeah. the tank. You know, these are the unknowns that. What make, if McKay make, faces more than fifteen there you shots? Go. There you go. <laughs> these are the unknowns that make this such a tough task. But uh, soldier on, we will, I guess, to the Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten, I've got three. Um, I've got Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. 
Okay, I got Michigan, Minnesota, Notre Dame. It was kind of between Notre Dame and, yep. and Ohio State. If I was to have that 10th team out west rather than nine, I might actually, I might think it's more possible that both Notre Dame and Ohio State get in rather than Michigan Tech get in. Um, they're both flirting on that, on that cut line for the pairwise. I think, I think Ohio State's in it right now. Notre Dame lost to Niagara over the weekend, split against them. Not great. Um, but they were, they're, they're playing a, a backup goalie in that game. I think for both of the games, they got this uh, Cornell transfer, Galeta, who put up great numbers there when Cornell was number one in the COVID year. He was, he was a, uh, might have won the Richter that year. And he was certainly a Hobie uh, contender as well. So uh, I like, I like him in net rather than Ohio State, who's got this uh, freshman who's playing well so far, but Ohio State didn't have much hype coming into the year. They've really definitely uh, have overachieved. I just don't think that they're going to keep it up. But I could, like I said, I, I would not be surprised if Big Ten gets four teams in. And I was on the fence about, like I said, Ohio State, Michigan Tech would have been my, would have been my two teams that I would, they're the, the, the first two teams out, you know? Like if I was to replace any teams, those two teams would be the ones that I would replace them with. But, but yeah, I guess I, I just, I guess I like Notre Dame slightly better than Ohio State. But, but Michigan, Minnesota, I thought those were pretty lock solid picks. Um, so. Yeah, and Crash likes Ohio State a little bit more. They're sitting at twelve and Crash, whereas fifteen and so. You know, Ohio State, I think, is going to have a lot more of those chances, um, you know, where you kind of say that Michigan Tech doesn't have those chances, and I agree, they don't, for those quality wins. Not, you know, they do have a few games there left against the Michigans and Minnesota. That's where they can So, Notre Dame, I was, I was, I was hovering Hammond and Hahn back and forth, and my notepad looks like just chicken scratch when it comes to all these other teams that are on the cut line, basically. So, but uh, basically, I was like, "Who am I bumping?" Maybe I'm bumping Michigan Tech. Um, that's really the only, you know, maybe not, maybe Harvard. ECAC only gets one. So, I don't know. There was a lot of, lot of things going into play, but ended up deciding just leaving Notre Dame out, playing like their head coach did. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that leaves leaves the uh, good old Nacho. But you don't have Wisconsin. <laughs> I do not have Wisconsin. Okay, uh, just making sure. I had to. Yeah, I had to do a lot of research about them. Uh, where where are we on that? By the way, uh, the race to ten wins. Because I saw that they. Uh, I thought that they 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 had a holiday tournament in Milwaukee that they had to go to overtime to beat Yale, which I believe Yale is 59th in pairwise. Um, they are, and I guess we have to and 59th crotch. <laughs> well, all right, then they're the unanimous worst team in in college <laughs> hockey. 
but I guess we, what's our, are we going to count for the 10 wins to Wisconsin thing? Are we counting overtime wins? I guess we have to. I mean, maybe we don't have to. I mean, I don't. If, because uh, I, I look at over, I look at three and three as a farce. So it's farce, maybe. But anyway, I still look at them as having only four wins on the season. But if you want to count overtimes, they have six. We'll, we'll count. We'll we'll keep two tallies, real and so, then real and then inflated. Yeah, uh, there you go. So where are their four wins the rest of the season? They play Michigan State twice, I guess. Uh no, uh they already got swept by Michigan State earlier in the year. They they only play them once more, uh, at home. Yeah, two two games. Yeah, get this. So they got Ohio State and at home this weekend, and then they got Michigan State at home next weekend. They have not. Then they go to uh, Penn State. That will be the first time that they play outside the state of Wisconsin since before Thanksgiving. Uh, they've played eight home games and then those two games in Milwaukee God. over Christmas. So big 10. And they were able to, they were able to really make hay with that home cooking schedule too. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And no surprise, big 10 has the best non-conference record. Which is definitely, definitely helped by their 17 and six against Atlantic hockey and their 12, two and one against season. And someone do the home and road split there because I don't, I know that Penn state played at army this weekend, which was not scheduled. They were supposed to, the cupcake they had on the schedule was Maine at home, but that was scrubbed for COVID. So then it was a very kind of last minute thing that they ended up traveling to West point to play army. So that's, yeah, I don't know where my list of that is, but that's, that's a rarity Penn state going on the road. And then not only that, but going on the road to an Atlantic hockey team, but so good for Penn state. What a weird year. Um, so I guess before we, uh, switch it over to the, uh, the nacho league, um, independence, do you have Arizona state, Alaska or long Island? I don't, although I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's terribly out of the ordinary that Arizona State makes a run here. Uh, their schedule hasn't been bad. I think Cratch has them top 20 strength of schedule, something like that. Went last time I checked. And their schedule... 16, strength 16, which is, yeah, that's not bad. Um, and the tough part of the schedule is pretty much done. I mean, well, they got, they got BU this weekend, and they're not lighting the world on fire, but at least they're... The traditional power, but then they got RIT, they have Long Island, they got four games against Alaska. Uh, so they got Mankato. Oh, that, that's right, they got Mankato. That's a toughie for them. Um, but if they take care of business against those Atlantic teams and then you know the Shocks and uh, Alaska, I mean, they're they're gonna have close to 20 wins, and so I don't think it's out of the ordinary or. Uh, completely uh zero chance that that they're gonna make a run they're gonna threaten with top 16 i just i don't think it's gonna happen but i did have to think yeah, a little I, bit about that i gave zero thought but actually looking at it i probably should have gotten more. i mean i think they're higher I than harvard i think they're higher than harvard right now and we both have harvard 
uh, in the in the field, albeit as Harvard's at twenty four, Arizona State's at all the way down at twenty five. Twenty five, okay. So, so one off, yeah, but right, right, grass. right there in the meat of the twenties. So. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Crash has them at uh, at at twenty. You know, above Penn State, BC, Clarkson, just behind you know, Omaha. Um. Yeah. So NCHC, I've got five. Uh. So Me I too. did have to. I did have to bump them. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, basically what I think it's going to come down to for Omaha is going on the road to probably sweep somebody like a, you know, if it is a St. Cloud or a Duluth, a Denver, a Western Michigan, like, do you see them sweeping? No. Maybe they could squeak by with the three, you know, if they do go to three and win and then winning a game in the tournament i just i don't see it so no. in the end i think they just lose out which is kind of omaha <laughs> that's just kind of what they do is they just kind of um and end up falling just a little bit short a little bit by the way yeah and like i said i i thought more about ohio state and michigan tech than i did about omaha um so we have the same five teams then Unless you're you're sneaking CC or Miami up up in the mix, I am not. Yeah. So Denver, North Dakota, Saint Cloud, Duluth, and Western, all coming out of the NCHC, which that was the easiest call for me, just because maybe maybe just because I'm more most familiar with this conference and seen all these teams multiple times and feel like I have a a good you know well rounded opinion about these teams at at this point in the year. So yeah. Uh, I was I was looking for a way to get Har or Omaha. I mean, it's certainly possible. They would, they would have to. Yeah, yeah, like I said, they would have to. Like you thinking when St. Cloud was sixth place in what was that 2015? What they had to do is they went on the road, swept Omaha in the playoffs, and then they yep. then they won a game in the Target Center. Uh, to make it to the, the the title game, which they lost to Miami, so you gotta put yourself close. And so St. Cloud got in as an at large, being you know six play finishing the year it's in sixth place. But that means you gotta at the very least uh, win that first round playoff series, and then probably gotta win a game in Target Center or well, so they play at the X now. Uh, at least win a game there. Isn't it like Omaha has never made the the neutral site tournament since like 2008 or something? It's been like since their CCHA days, I think. Uh, they typically don't do well in the conference tournaments, uh, which doesn't mean they can't do it this year. But I just, of those teams you mentioned, like who are they going to go on the road and beat in the first round? Probably I would say Western because they, they did beat them, you know, split them a couple of weeks ago. So, I mean, they've won a game there. I could see them winning. I, I don't see them going into Denver and winning a series. I don't see them going up to Dakota and doing that. So they, didn't, they made it to the frozen four. Not that was the year, the, the year that St. Cloud beat him in the playoffs. That was the year they made the uh, frozen four. 
because they were third yeah. place. They were third place. Then oh, the okay. NCAA. When you say neutral site tournament, oh, you mean in, conference. in the conference? Yes. Gotcha. They didn't make it at okay. all when they're, they're they were only in the WCHA for what two or three years. Didn't make it in any of those years, and they have yeah. not made it. Never made it to Target Center, or they had not made it to the X. And of think, course, they were in the tournament. But yeah, they did make the Frozen Four that year because they beat Harvard and RIT to get into the Frozen Four. I was I was just looking too, and I was like, oh, that's right, that was that double overtime game. I was at that game. When, I was at that playoff series. Yeah, when Morley uh, scored uh, from Bennick in double overtime, and I just looked at that Omaha team and just back memories like that was a juggernaut of a team with you know Gensel, Ortega, and Pope, and Vessel. Frizak, Randolph, had Avery Peterson for step. Was um, that Snuggerud. I mean, that was was that, that was a heck. Massa was Massa their goalie then, or was that Weninger? Not uh, Massa. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize. By the way, I mean, I'm not the biggest NHL guy. I mean, I've watched a lot more this year than I have in years past. I didn't realize that Gensel is just a stud. Like he had like a 40 oh, yeah. goal year a couple years ago. It's like, I guess I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's one of their better players. So, so yeah, I think, uh, NCHC getting five teams. I got big 10 with three CCHA with one hockey East with four ECAC two Atlantic with one. I can definitely see that being 10 teams out West rather than nine that I have now. Um, yeah, like, yeah. Tech was a tough call. Providence obviously was a tough call with that you know, hockey East, whether or not they even get four teams in probably might be more likely. They only get three. These were some tough calls on those. Uh, and I could definitely see ECAC only take it one team as well. Um, it might, it might come down to whether Quinnipiac is, is going to win the conference tournament or not. So it will be a interesting next two months. Uh, yeah. two and a half months, I guess, to see how this all shakes out. But, but yeah, I'm glad that we kind of put this on paper and we'll go back. We'll come back to this once the, put this on the internet on recording. So we'll come back to it and we will all be wrong. I'm Completely. Sure. Omaha is going to go on a stretch here where they're going to win 90% of their remaining games. Just put us. What if there's a team that makes the tournament, not counting like Atlantic hockey, I guess, but if there's a team that we haven't mentioned at all that will make the tournament, uh, it's, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, who, who, your... am I for, who am I forgetting at like 20 to 30 in pairwise right now that we yeah, haven't, well, that we well, haven't let, mentioned? Let, let, let's, let, let's both pick one. I'll let you go first. One team that we haven't mentioned yet that makes it in. I guess the highest team in pairwise right now that we haven't mentioned is Bemidji, sitting at 23, but I don't see that happening. Boy. Uh, That's rough. (laughs) Merrimack at 28, that's not going to happen. Let's say I'll, I'll go Northern Michigan because yeah. they've got like two of the top something scores in the country. Um, they can score the goal. They can score goals. And maybe they make a run in the tournament, CCHA tournament. They're not going to make it as an at-large. 
believe they made it to the title game last year of CCHA. I think it was between them and Lake State. I think they were the ones that knocked off Mankato. Maybe it was maybe it was Lake State. Don't take my word for it, but yeah, just for funsies, I'll say Northern Michigan. Northern Michigan. Uh you said you said Connecticut, didn't I did mention them briefly. You can you know take what? them. You know what? We did anyone mention Michigan State? I did mention I, them. Uh, I think, I in, or I think I mentioned them when when we're talking about the uh, Huskies Duluth is the only top ten series, and I think oh Minnesota and Michigan State is the only other series between two teams in the top twenty. Uh, yeah, and that's when you oh. thought Cornell. I was forgetting about Cornell. So I think I mentioned them in passing there. Maybe not in this specific not, not in this segment. So that's what I'm picking. Boom, Michigan yeah, State. Michigan State. All right. I think they're going to sneak in. So those are asterisks. So we have 16 plus one wild card <laughs> team that we Oh, I don't like chances. <laughs> but anyway, they can make up the point. They could. Um, question. Um, we've got a couple, and actually, um, yeah, the big ones here that we have are all about uh, Val's saying that they were going to be closed for the next. Oh, so, really? Yeah, they're closed until the tenth, which would mean that all of our Duluth faithful that do love Val's and frequent Val's. Uh, are not to be able to partake, so they asked me for restaurant recommendations. Um, since it's all going to be all you on that, I don't know. Even it's been a while since I've dined in the area. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, um, you know, looking at you know, depending on what you want. Obviously, you know, right downtown house pizza is you know, if you want quick pizza, you know, uh, what is it, Seven West? If you want a quick burger. Oh yeah. Um, and I think they're still open. I guess I don't know. Uh MC's for, does MC still do the bus? Yep. MC's I believe still does the bus. So if you wanna go Howie's, to the bus, Howie's usually also. usually uh with MC's that's always you know the Buffalo destination. So you know you go there for A lot of times they'll I mean back at least back when I was in town, they would have some some sort of free food, like a taco bar or something. You know, I don't know if they have the taco bar. I think they took that out for more seating oh. uh, for you know COVID. So, um, but uh, uh, Brick and Bourbon is is really good. They got a really good uh, selection of uh, bourbon. Is shockingly, that, is that the old uh, Rum Runners? Brother, old brother. Oh, brothers. Um, oh, I don't think I went. I don't think I went there. Is that there was something like an Irish pub in the old Rum Runners building? Yep. Is that uh, still there? That, that is still. There. Can't remember what that was yeah. called. I, uh, I that's like the. I like the it. old brick. The old brick. Okay, I like um, the, the few times. I really I like there. that because that's also I think the only place in town where you get a Smithix, and I am there a big fan of Smithix. I would probably say is. Okay, like here's the thing: is that I used to hate Guinness, right? I used to just hate it. I went to Ireland, had Guinness, and it's amazing. Like 
it's it tastes way different when you're actually in the brewery and whatnot and it's so every time I have it now I'm like transported back to that time if that makes sense so that's why I like Guinness now a lot more than I used to but I think like pound for pound if if you were to get an Irish beer I would say get a Smittix because I think that's probably more up people's alley because I think Guinness can be a little bit I mean it's Guinness. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I, I also like uh, Crooked Pint. Uh, that, that's a good place. That's in, I believe that's technically in the park. But uh, that's, uh, that's a good place. So a couple of food recommendations there for you. But uh, Brick and Bourbon, uh, Old Brick House, and, you know, obviously White Horse. Um, if you want, um, you know, that's still, that's a little That's still a little open. Bit little bit off i know that the guy the guy the guy passed away a couple years ago the guy that owned it they're uh they're brussels sprouts or oh they're so good it's all right we got a recommendation for the uh for the brussels sprouts for the brussels sprouts um a smittix at um the uh the old brick house smittix pair but with the pretzel sticks the pretzel sticks are one of a kind they're and, they, and they've got like a special Guinness dipping sauce as well. That's incredibly good. Um, and then the uh, brick and bourbon, they've got like a smoky old fashioned uh, where, you know, it comes under glass and it's got the smoke mm. going through and whatnot. So you lift up the glass and the smoke. You know, a little bit. Um, Pit- Pickled Loon's still around? Yep. Pickled Loon is still around. So it's basically the same since I left five years ago, it sounds like. Except I, I don't think change. I went to that Brick and Bourbon. I don't think I went there. But. Brick and Bourbon's good. I really like um, There's not the press anymore, so I think that, oh, that's changed. That was that whole uh, arson deal, wasn't it? Arson. Yep, <laughs> yeah, I actually, I got like forwarded the, uh, the news yeah. articles about that. And even before it became... You know, he was charged with anything. It was like, yeah, this is clearly shady. It was uh, one of the worst arsons I think he could he could pull off or oh, try yeah. to. Was, is is anything in that space? No. Um, Did they plow and, the building down? Like, is it? I mean, that's prime real estate. Yeah, like, something, and that's the thing. I could, think people are still kind of waiting on what to do with it. But like, um, Cowboy Jackson's closed because of some damage to that. Um, and rumors are kind of swirling around about why, you know, they have fixed up. I mean, that was, but that was several years ago, wasn't it? The, the arson deal? Uh, a couple years ago. And they're still closed from that? The Cowboy Jacks? Yep. So both of those spots are doing nothing. Yeah. Wow. Someone's got, but, get... but I think, I think Cowboy Jacks is more closed a little bit more for the cost to reopen at this juncture, like at this time. Versus what you can get in the insurance money. And then apparently they bought half the land. So they want to expand a little bit into that area. Hmm. So, and I don't know the, the whole ins and outs of it. But there's always, you know, you hear PS and rumbling. What they're going to do with it. And obviously by the end of the telephone line, everyone's speculating that they're going to turn it into a Costco. Or something. Yeah. A second Costco. Right. Or something. You know, who knows. But it's... You know, so the last I heard about it was, yeah, Cowboy Jack's got, you know, is going to buy half of that land, the other half 
cities. Um, I don't know if they're going to try, you know, pay place really wants to revitalize. I actually think a nice plaza there, put a couple of trees, a couple of inches. Right now, it's memori- it's just it, a memoriam to the press, you know, you a big old plaque. Uh, you know, here lies, you know, when Travis got his fishbowl when he turned 21 and puked in the corner. I think <laughs> that deserves a plaque. Yes. In St. Cloud, right? Yeah. If there was a plaque for everything I threw up on in St. Cloud, I think it's just a line of bronze everywhere <laughs> down the street. Uh, God, my 20. Um, best post game atmosphere. Um, usually my post game atmosphere when I go, um, is I, I really enjoy the, uh, dugout afterwards. Usually that's, uh, kind of going to be the most lively. Uh, but you know, depending on what you want, if you just want to chill, have a beer, I do like going to the blue line afterwards. I think that's a little bit more low key, um, you know, depending on your age and what you want. I mean, if you want to start the night out downtown, you know, you go to the dugout and the martini lounge, red carpet, you know. But usually, usually I like to, you know, those places are now too loud. <laughs> I'm too old. So usually I just uh, have a couple of drinks af- afterwards at the blue line. And they've got a bus, too. So. Yeah, I would go to, uh, I generally took the Howie's bus. Different crowd. Uh it's it's more low key. It can get packed. Uh, a lot of times, that's where like some parents, uh, some players' parents would go after the game. Um, my buddy kind of knew the bar manager, so we got some free drinks every now and then. Played some darts. Um, so I didn't I didn't mind. I'm not a big fan of Howie's uh, like food, but uh, just for like more of a low key hangout, I I didn't mind it. But it's uh, not for everybody. Yeah, Howie's is actually a place where I. Every time I go there, I don't know. Like, is that still open? Yeah, it's. I mean, I think. Like I, I say all these things too. It, it's like it's a little bit know, further got, down on on in got, downtown too. So I've got a four year old and twenty month old twins or twenty one month old right. twins. So it's like I can't get out. I can't do right. anything anymore. You know, and loading up the twins to go out to eat or anything is. Uh, an ordeal that takes 45 minutes and three minutes uh, or 30 minutes of screaming and crying. Um, that's yep. not even counting the babies. Usually usually that's just me. Well, that about does her, I would say. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, so. we'll be back. We'll be back next week and we'll, uh, recap, uh, the Huskies and, uh, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, so it should be, should be a fun weekend. So until next time, go Huskies. Woo. Woo.